Hey, Katie. Hey, Brian. I hear you, Kevin, and Josh are all going to the Midwest Arts Expo. Is that just for Midwesterners? It is not, actually. It is for everyone in the performing arts industry that, like, wants to come hang out in Indianapolis. Does that mean I can go, too? Absolutely, Danielle. Yes. So, wait, is this going to be, like, a no-business-like podcast party at the Midwest Arts Expo? Hell yeah, it is. Come party with us. Cue the music. (laughs) Boots and kits and boots and kits and boots and kits. We bring the fun in Booth 251. I hate that this is recorded. <laughs> you, you willingly participated. This is a lot of fun, and it's just a preview of the experience that you will have at the Midwest Arts Expo. Lots of opportunity for networking, lots of professional development. We'll see you in Indianapolis at the Midwest Arts Expo, September 18th through the 21st. Hello and welcome to There's No Business Like a podcast where friends and industry colleagues explore topics and interview leaders in our industry of professional theatrical touring. Welcome back, everyone, to There's No Business Like. This week, we're going to spend some time talking about conferencing and how we approach them. But before we get started, I'm Kevin Maynard, and I am joined with my friends, Katie. Hey, everyone. Katie Miller with the Midland Center for the Arts in Midland, Michigan. Danielle. Hi, it's Danielle from the Alden in McLean, Virginia. Brian. Hey, Brian Zalmer from KU Presents. And my friend, Josh. Josh Benson, rocking it from Marion, Illinois at the Marion Cultural and Civic Center. This week, we're going to talk about conferences, and we're going to focus on booking conferences. There are conferences for a lot of different things, but our perspective as presenters is booking conferences. And I think it's also valid that we should talk about the fact that we are going to approach this from a presenter's perspective. To get started, I want to talk about conferences. Like, What are they, and why do you all find value in them? Kevin, I love conferences, and I have a list right here of 100 different reasons, but I'm just going to start with my top few One, they're inspiring. Just being in the same place with people who like have the same kind of general understanding as you, you know, it's just a room full of people who get the things that you get. And there's usually a lot of professional development and speakers that really kind of give you that like inspiration and you get to see what other people that are sort of walking in your shoes are doing in their areas or their regions that are working. You get to find new ideas. You get to find new artists. There's so many things that are wonderful. Yeah. Building off of that, Danielle, I really think of conferences as the best way to become part of the wider performing arts community. Um, so of so many, you know, artists, presenters, agents come into the industry and they don't really have a lot of connections. They don't know to, who to go to. They're looking for mentorship, things like that. Conferences are an incredible way of finding those things, joining a community, like you said, becoming inspired, learning new things. But it is the fastest way to become really integrated into what it is we do and meet new people and build those relationships that we're always talking about on this podcast. I couldn't agree more with what both Danielle and Katie said, those are my top reasons of why I go to conferences. It's a great place to discover new artists and meet new agents and and build your network um, professionally too, not just on a personal level. And I, I agree with all of that. It's about building that network, actually getting some face-to-face time with people and talking about the things that we're all passionate about, having a drink with somebody, going to the networking events and getting to meet the new people and then building on that, because you'll see you whenever you go to the conferences, once you meet somebody, you're going to see them multiple times. 
throughout your time at the conference. And you'll have that opportunity to, to touch base again and, and to build on that relationship just while you're there. And then that gives you the rest of the year for whenever you're, you know, finalizing your booking and doing the business end of it to have that relationship in place. And, and that's something that is so incredibly key. Yeah, those are all fantastic points. The other thing I really enjoy about conferences is that you're in a room with like-minded individuals, with everybody who's like working towards the same goal. So you're, you just, you get a lot of new ideas, a lot of inspiration, and you leave recharged and more focused on the, the impact that you can have in your own community. Hey, Kevin. So I know that you are attempting to host this episode. <laughs> attempting? <but laughs> The thing Ouch. is, this is a that, <laughs> The thing is that I cannot sit here without playing a game. It's literally a part of me and I need to stop you. I need to stop your role right now because we're about to play a game. I'm sorry. I I, I would say uh, you know, I'll allow it, but I don't think I really have an option here. So, proceed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, 10 points to Kevin. <laughs> he understands the game. <laughs> All right. So first things first, this game is called Two Truths and a Lie. <laughs> so how it's going to work is I'm going to go to each of you. You're going to tell me three statements that are either about something you've done at a conference or conference adjacent. And one of those statements will be a lie, meaning the other two are a truth. And I'm going to guess which one is the lie. To kick things off, I'm going to put the person who I love to put on the hot seat the most to go first. Kevin, <laughs> your three statements, please, sir. Um, left a conference early to run a Spartan race with a fellow presenter. Read a children. I was read a children's story on the expo floor. The other one, I heard Lin-Manuel Miranda talk about Hamilton before it officially came out. I know you're a runner. So while the first one seems like you're the only person who's probably had that experience, I'm going to say that one is true just because for some reason you run your body. Second one was read a book. Considering you learned how to use a fork at a conference, the fact that you were read a book at a conference. No, we won't do that. We're not going to bully you that hard. I'm going to say that you have never heard Lin-Manuel Miranda speak ever. I have no idea how you would have gotten to that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Somebody who's better at lying. Josh, let's go. You should save him for last because he's probably the best at lying out of between Katie and I left, you know, like. So I ran a Spartan race with a fellow colleague at a conference. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. All right. Well, this lie better be convincing. Just... Okay. I'm going to start that over. I have engaged in a pull-up competition at a conference. I have gotten strapped, uh, trapped in an escape staircase, like a fire fire escape, emergency stairwell. And I had a um, ramen eating contest at a conference. No, yeah. And so the thing about all of these things is they require somebody to have an overly large sense of confidence. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be tricky to figure out. So we've got eaten ramen, got stuck in stairs, and did pull-up contest. I think it's the ramen noodles because it's very hard to pack a lot of ramen noodles in your tummy. Final answer. Danielle's right. What? Yes! 
Ding, ding, ding. Danielle got a second one right. Okay, let's see. Brian, are you tricky? I don't know if I'm going to be tricky. Josh is probably the king at that, um, but I'll try. So I literally stayed up all night um, and closed down faces and names. Two, I got lost alone in the Bowery till 6 a.m. wearing a business suit and wandering around empty streets. Or three, got accosted by an agent who was not even registered in the for the conference in the hotel. I'm going to say three is true. And two is the lie. Two is the lie, but it was yes. 3 a.m., not 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Katie, what you got? See, see, if anybody could get me, it's Katie. Mm, okay, let's see. Okay, so what is the truth and what's the lie, Danielle? All right, so number one, I forgot my toothbrush. The front desk didn't have any, and I had to text Christine Cox at 3 a.m. to see if she had an extra one. I once got stuck in an elevator for an hour at a conference hotel by myself and was very lonely. Or Josh Benson is a terrible influence at conferences. I think you got stuck in an elevator in a conference with people in it. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle is too good at this. So we've talked about why we find conferences to be of value. Um, but let's talk about preparing for a conference, because after all, you know, conferences can be a lot of fun, but they are still work. And in order to successfully navigate those, we, there is some preparation involved. Um, so we can talk about this in, in a few different ways, but let's talk about arranging travel. Does anyone in our group have any tips or tricks or things that they do to arrange their travel to make it easier for them? For me, since the pandemic, I've built in, I typically come in the day before just to make sure if, if I'm flying, just to make sure I can get there. Because over the past couple of years, there have been a lot more delays and reschedules and cancellation of flights. And so that's my number one thing whenever I'm starting and booking my travel is I go a day early just to make sure that I can get there for the conference. Josh, in that same vein, I always typically book the earliest flight I can um, and make sure there are options after um, my initial flight so that if I do get delayed or miss something or there's weather or something, then I have other opportunities to hop onto another flight to still try and get to my final destination. And two, just booking as far ahead as you possibly can, because those prices jump fast. Yeah, that most conferences have an early bird cutoff. And if you or they'll even have a block for their conference hotel rates that they get a special discount on and they're limited. So people get them pretty quickly. So if you wait, a lot of those things get booked up and then you're stuck sometimes even having to go to an, another hotel because it's all full. The other benefit of, of, of arriving a day early, at least I always tell myself, is that I will get at least one good night of sleep uh, because there's not, you know, showcases or conference events happening. Well, I think that, that that's some great advice. Let's talk about the big one, uh, and that is you know, your conference schedule and setting meetings, um, because we know that as soon as you register for a conference, you are sometimes inundated with meeting requests and uh, information about, you know, showcasing and, you know, all of these things. So how do you all navigate that to try to make sure that, you know, you have enough time in your schedule to see the things you need to see, but also, you know, enough time to not completely burn yourself out? I register as an agent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. 
Um, as the type, the most type A person on this podcast, uh, I'll start that. So I typically look at the conference schedule and I go into my Outlook calendar, which is what I use. Um, and I put in all the PD sessions first that I want to attend and look at the showcase schedule. And I block out time for all this, the specifically or the specific showcases I want to make sure that I get a chance to see. Um, and then I look at the expo hall hours and I go, okay. And then I put in time for those expo hall hours. And then I know exactly what time I have available to set meetings during. Um, and typically I also try and block out like the happy hour, dinner hour time as well for meetings with, with agents or other presenter friends um, or consortiums, you know, consortiums will host meetings during conferences as well. So I try and really be intentional with like blocking out my PD time first, and then those other elements to make sure that I'm prioritizing what's important to me, which frankly, I want to learn something first, um, and then, you know, to be selective in the meetings that I am taking. So that's how I prioritize my time. Yeah, Katie, I do something similar. And I think what uh, Kevin kind of alluded to earlier, like whenever you sign up as a presenter, you do start to get lots and lots of emails from different people. But to the best that I can, if somebody asks me for a meeting, I do try to click on their agency, see what they do. And if I feel like they saw that I checked youth and family and, and kind of have an idea of who I am rather than just mass emailing kind of everybody on the list, if I think that there's something that might fit on my calendar, I do try to make sure I'm making time to meet new people and especially to discover new artists. I definitely like to make sure that I have time on the calendar to make sure I can dig deep with some of the agents that I normally work with just to see what kind of needs to be a real placeholder um, on my schedule. But I think it's important to make sure you're leaving time to either walk around and meet new people or to, you know, be a good colleague and say yes to not all the meetings, I'm not going to advocate that. But I've, you know, I've been surprised and I think it's easy to close yourself off. Uh, to what you already know, but this is me telling you to just do a few extra clicks. <laughs> Scheduling in wander time and discovery time is incredibly important within your schedule. And and because it's important, I always, whenever I get an email from someone that I, I don't know, I immediately go look through their roster. And, and it's important for me to not waste either of our time if everything they have is classical music, which is something that we don't do at this facility very often. Um, and I, and I will let them know that I, I will respond to the request and just say, Hey, I, I don't think it's a fit, good fit because we don't do these things and give them a chance to either tell me, Hey, I've got some other stuff that you should take a look at, or, Hey, thanks for getting back to me. I appreciate it. You know, looking at things and, and figuring out what a good fit is or isn't for you to take a meeting is important to me. I'll start with Kevin's question about email. I scroll through, I glance real quick at every email that comes in. And a lot of them are kind of like cookie cutter, like template type emails that aren't personal in any way, you know, and, and I'll glance at it because if it's an artist or something that interests me for a possible thing that I'm looking for, then I'll take note of it. But typically I'm just quickly going through those and just making sure I look at them all. And then the personal ones that seem to be just like someone took the time to actually write me an email um, and not just do a mass one, which I, I understand they don't have time to do that, most people. But if they took the time to do that, then I try to at least reply. When it comes to meetings, I've done both. I've overscheduled meetings. I've done no meetings. And it really depends, again, what what works for you. But I, I've kind of found my sweet spot is I don't 
book meetings with agents that I know. And especially if I know their roster well enough that I can stand in the booth for them so they could take a break and do the pitches, then there's no need for us to have a meeting. Or if I already know I'm booking, like a lot of times I have what my shows are going to be before I even get to APAP, let's say. So I don't need to schedule a meeting and block out time that some other person that isn't sure can meet with them, you know, on the conference floor. But instead, maybe I'll meet with them at happy hour or engage in another way that helps develop our professional relationship, but doesn't waste that time on the expo hall floor because I don't need to have that meeting with them there. I just, I find wandering the floor works for me. And yes, there's there's certain agents that I need to see and speak with. And they're always super busy because they book tons of meetings, but I have not yet gone to a conference where I haven't been able to speak with them. I might've had to circle back, you know, 20 times to find that opening, but I've always been able to do it. Brian, that's some excellent advice there. I always try to, to build in that wander time. And I think everybody has talked about that. So for me, like the first hour that the expo hall is open and typically like the last day or so, I try to leave that open to, to give myself time to meet with people that maybe I didn't, uh, you know, connect with uh, during the time to really, and then also kind of get the lay of the land for the uh, expo hall. Just on the note on like, once you have your schedule set, you have your meeting schedules, expo hall, whatever set. I always not only have it digitally, you know, in my calendar, I always print out a copy, honestly, and I have it tucked in my bag because if your internet goes down, you lose your phone, it breaks, something like that. Um, I always like to have a printed copy just so I can make sure that I'm staying on track and on target with my schedule. Yes. And word of advice, put your calendar entries in the time zone that you will be in um, because I have had that where I've put all of them in central <laughs> and then I've gone to you know Eastern time and all of a sudden Same. everything's messed up. So <laughs> don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. When you are doing that kind of that wander, when you're just, you don't have any meeting schedule you're going through, um, is there something specific that you're looking for? Or is there something that, you know, typically helps draw you into a booth? For me, it's discovery. I'm looking for something I didn't know about before or people that I didn't know about. The one thing I will caution people that are presenters that might do the wandering thing, um, which I also agree with, it's a great thing. But there's a couple, not not a lot, not everybody, but there's a couple people that are like sharks and they see you like looking at their booth and they pounce on you and you don't even get a chance to see what it is. And, and that's difficult. It's just part of wandering the, the floor. The main thing is not to lead anybody on. Like if you don't know what their roster is, hey, tell me about your roster. Like, okay. And you can stop them say, oh yeah, I don't book those types of shows, but it's good to meet you. And and that way you're not wasting their time or yours. But if it is something that you might book and you could say, oh, you know, I present dance. This sounds really cool. I'd like to learn more. But here's where I am. I've got like 30 dance companies that I have on my list that I want to work with. And I only get to work with one every other year. So I'm going to start the discovery process with you. So you don't think I'm going to book you next season, but definitely, you know, let's follow up and, and invite me to a show or whatever so I can learn more. And so it's just about having that openness and that, that transparency. And, you know, it saves you time too with the follow up as well as, you know, they know who to, to really do their homework with after. One other important thing about scheduling meetings is whenever you schedule a meeting, Take the time and do your homework about the agency you're meeting with and know, like, I always have a list of two or three things that I, that might be of interest to me on their roster before I sit down with them. As you talk with them, you can, I mean, you can be upfront with them and say, Hey, here's what I think I'm interested in. If there's anything along these lines that I haven't thought of, bring it up to me, but I don't know that we necessarily need to go through your entire roster. This is, and and make your time with them more efficient for both of you. Kevin, you asked what draws me into a booth. Um, really 
good visuals in a booth are super important to me. So really clean photos of, of the artist or the company. Um, and honestly, like a little descriptor or a tagline of what this is. Is it contemporary jazz? Is it country? Is it something? So I know at a glance kind of what that what the tenor of that roster is. And frankly, because the expo hall is so busy and sometimes when you are wandering, you're like, oh, that looks super interesting. But both agents in that booth are with people. If you have your brochures and your materials at the table at the front of the booth, then I can pick one of those up and I can peruse it later. Or I can say, oh, I'm going to grab this now, look at it and then come and circle back. But sometimes the materials are so far back in the booth that it's super awkward to like try and snag something when they're in the middle of conversations. So I love it when agents have things right up front so I can easily peruse or grab something without interrupting because I don't want to be rude. Um, I don't want to interrupt, you know, if they're having focused conversation with other people. Um, but those are two things that I find to be really useful from a presenter perspective. I just want to tag onto that, Katie, because know, you know, knowing and understanding the ecosystem that we're in and the reason why a lot of them put it behind them is because they want to make sure they know who's visiting their booth, who's taking their stuff. So it's if you're not going to talk to them and you do grab something, it is customary to, to make sure you leave a business card so they know who you were. So that way they know who to follow up with or they at least know who's visiting their booth. Sometimes too, when I go to a conference, I know that there's like a general genre that I don't have a strong um, feeling like I think I have covered in my season or I feel like would help me balance. Like maybe it's dance, maybe it's magic. And I'll spend some time just perusing to see, looking for just things in that category, especially if I just like don't know which way I'm going. And that can kind of help you cover a little bit more ground rather than just like kind of looking at everything and seeing where uh, your foot takes you. Uh, but like kind of having a general goal of like, what is it that I'm looking for on this sweep or on this day of um, my wander? So some conferences have something called accessible hours too. So if you are intimidated by, you know, being inundated by all the people doing the pitches constantly at you, there are those hours, they call them accessible hours where most of the booths are not are, are not manned. They're not supposed to be anyway. And you can wander around and look at the stuff and take things. But again, if you do that, it is customary to leave, you know, if you take something to leave something so they know who was there. And, um, I personally don't do that because, um, I, I like to interact with the people and, and if it's, especially if it's something that might be interesting for my season, I want to be able to hear the pitch. I want to hear what, what they have to say and get to know the agent or the artist and, start developing that relationship if it's somebody new. And I, I agree, Brian. I think it's so important to be able to actually speak to the to the people there and because they, there's no chance of building a relationship or or further understanding anything without without that interaction. This is work. And so with that, you know, it ends up being some long days. I mean, you end up waking up early to get to, you know, expo hours or professional development. You're staying out late to showcase and network with, you know, friends and colleagues. Um, so all of that in mind, what do any of you have some advice about, you know, what to wear or what to pack? And I always tell people like my go-to one that I always pull out is I always pack a Tide stick because, you know, I eat like a child apparently and always drop something on my, on myself. So I have that to make sure that I'm not walking around with, you know, barbecue sauce or mustard on my shirt for the rest of the day. So um, does anybody have any um, suggestions like that? I have a little bit of a list to share with everybody. I typically overpack. I try and be prepared for every possible situation. Um, so I always bring a travel umbrella. 
always pack a lot of snacks because you never know when you're going to be running from thing to thing. So always have a snack in your bag, water bottle. Um, you need weather appropriate clothes. Uh, if you are going someplace in the summer, pack appropriately. If you're going someplace in the winter, pack appropriately, but always have a sweater always have a sweater because conferences are cold. You get in those conference like hotel ballrooms and they are freezing cold. So always have a sweater. I mean, I didn't even bring an overcoat, like a, a winter coat to APAP this past year. So I don't know what you're talking about. Depends <laughs> on how, how much you're planning on leaving the conference hotel in terms of a coat situation. If you're like, I'm just going to be in the hotel the whole time and I'm never going to leave. Don't really need a coat. If you're going to go out and do showcases and stuff, you need a coat. I always typically dress a little bit nicer at the beginning of the conference for first impressions. And then my shoes get a little bit more casual throughout the conference and comfortable because after that many days on your feet, um, I'm not saying that those shoes don't look great, but I really plan out what shoes I'm going to wear each day because my feet are going to hurt progressively more throughout. Um, comfy shoes, like Josh mentioned, I suggest a bottle of travel Febreze because, uh, especially if you're going to wear a shirt two days in a row or you spill something or you just need to like make your room smell better, like travel Febreze is great. You need to bring a lint roller band-aids because you will get calluses and blisters on your feet or you might cut yourself or whatever uh nail file and nail clippers also super important um for a whole host of situations i've gotten really creative with uses of nail clippers to like open packages and like other sorts of things um and <laughs> i'm sure that there are other things i'm forgetting but that jumper is cables <laughs> <laughs> only if you're driving if you're not flying you don't need jumper cables brian let's be real um, so that's at least my initial list of like little ticky tacky things you need to put in your bag. Yeah, tic tac. Oh yeah, gum, breath mints, <laughs> super important yes. because you will go to dinner and then uh, go to showcases and you're talking to people and that's not a great situation. So, so I'm going to be honest, Katie. I agree with you on every aspect of everything you've ever said, <laughs> but the one thing that I think I do slightly differently is things like breath mints or like sometimes snacks. Not always. I wait until I get there because I don't like being loaded down in the in the packing situation. Mm, that's true. So it's like if there's something that I isn't a huge cost when I get there, like I like to plan a little time to settle in and just uh, not be super weighed down uh, in, in my travel. That's a but good I will problem. say, um, I think one of the things that's helped me um, get to those early morning meetings is before I leave, I take a lot of care in making sure I know what outfit is an outfit, like what things go together. I don't just like pack like a bunch of random stuff and like hope for the best, but I'll make sure that like, I've got like things that I know I'm comfortable in and like specific pieces and maybe like one extra one. And that kind of helps me cut down on just overpacking. I'm like all of you. So I'm not going to get into all the things that I pack because it's very similar, but it has over the years become more on the side of comfort. And then like Danielle said, like I'll always go in early because I want to go out and pick up a case of water to bring to my room. I want to have snacks and I like to not live out of the suitcase. I find it very helpful because I'm on the go constantly and I'm getting run down that I like to feel like I'm coming home when I actually get to the hotel room. Like I put things in drawers. I actually iron all my clothes and hang them up and you know, I kind of just make it settled in before I even like get out and start meeting people. My best piece of advice for you is to find a mom friend at the conference, because if you forgot it, they have it in their bag. So, Kevin, I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. This, but I just... I, I, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta get some more games. If you don't <laughs> mind, I'm going to just interject 
you know, just a little cute. Never have I ever conference edition. All right, my friends, get ready. Um, I'm going to pretend to be Ellen. I've got a series of questions here that start out with never have I ever. And you, based on the magic of podcasting, are going to hold up a sign that either says I have or I have not to answer the question. And I'm going to call on some people. So here we go. Never have I ever booked a show that was new to me after seeing a showcase at conference. Oh, okay. We all said I have. Ryan, what did you book after seeing it at conference? Rhythmic Circus. Oh, Feet don't yes. Feel me now. Oh, my God. It was so moving that I, I It's a great it showcase. I, I never booked it, though. Kevin, what did you book after seeing it at conference? I booked the uh, AJ Croce show, uh, Croce Plays Croce. Josh, what about you? What did you book because you saw a showcase? Voice Play is who I booked off of a showcase. Yeah, once I stumbled into a showcase of a band called Big Bang Boom, and they're a kid's uh, rock band, and was delighted. And at the end, they said, see us at Booth. Yeah, something. And I just immediately walked out of there, was like, sweet, the expo hall is still going on. Walked up to that booth and I was like, when can I get Big Bang Boom? Number two, never have I ever missed or messed up my travel or hotel situation at a conference. Ooh, okay. Three out out of five of us have messed up our travel or hotel situation. I'm not surprised that Katie has not (laughs) messed up her travel or hotel situation. (laughs) Kevin, what did you accidentally do? Oh, no, I take that back. I mean, I, I'm just thinking that like my travel got fucked up. Okay, so two out of the five of us have messed up our travel or hotel situation. Josh, what did you do? I booked myself two nights short of hotel. Oh, yikes. <laughs> at one conference. It was at a, it was at a South Arts. Um, and I, as I was checking in, they were like, oh, yeah, you're out on this date. I was like, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. But we ended up figuring it out. But, but yeah, I had totally booked two, two days short of hotel. I did the opposite of that once. I had it in my head that I was going to New York on Thursday when, in fact, my hotel was ready on Friday. And I figured all of this out at the train station and just was like, meh, let's just see what happens. And like just switched my ticket to Thursday and like on the train was like texting people that I thought were already there and like just, you know, found found a cute little place to stay for that one extra That would give me such anxiety on the way there. What about you, Katie? Like I... I would oh, I would definitely attack. be having a heart attack too. However, like I, my brother and sister-in-law live in Northern New Jersey, so I could always just go stay with them if we were going to APAP and something got screwed up. <laughs> You're all welcome to stay with me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you don't have a place to stay for APAP. <laughs> Never have I ever forgotten an essential like underwear, a Tide pen, a charger, or your phone. <gasps> Katie, <laughs> is it something other than the toothbrush? No, just the toothbrush situation. All right. I think everybody else said that they had forgotten an essential. I, I'm pretty sure that like I've forgotten a lot of things, but not essentials. Brian, what did you forget? I'm just like Katie. I forgot a toothbrush. I forgot deodorant once. But I mean, those were easy things to just run out and get. Josh, what did you forget? One thing that I found is that a lot of hotels have like a plethora of phone chargers that have been left in their hotel. And so it's typically pretty easy to snag one if you forgot. <laughs> Honestly, forgetting your phone charger would like send me into... <laughs> 
so much anxiety. You, you can easily get one. Just go I to know. a CVS. Or, or just go to the desk and ask, hey, do you guys have any extra yeah. phone charger? Oh, another thing that you should pack is like you can get those phone charger like power packs, like the mm. battery that you pre-charge and have that in your bag mm-hmm. so that oh, if you yeah, can't yeah. get to a, a wall outlet or a charging station, you can always like plug in your phone in your bag and you can charge it on the go. All right. This is the last one. Aww. Never have I ever been hit by a car while riding a scooter <laughs> at a conference. So funny thing, all of us held up. I have not, except for Josh Benson. Yep. Sir, tell us what happened. Um, so I was riding a scooter and I got hit by a car while I was at a conference. <laughs> Toledo. At the OAPN conference. Um, Can you reassure the listeners that you were fine? Yeah, I'm fine. I was fine, kind of. He was not the only one that got hurt on a scooter. I was not. Um, but so I was at the uh, OAPN conference uh, last year. Um, they, the two venues um, for the conference were a few blocks apart, and there were rentable scooters. So I scooted everywhere at that conference. And a lot of people can attest to that because, you know, wearing a suit jacket and going down the road, waving at everybody else that isn't on a scooter. <laughs> and... Uh, and so as mm-hmm. I was headed to an event, I turned and went down this road and a car came behind me and their mirror clipped me and tossed me off into the, into the uh, landscaping and the sidewalk. And, and so I, I brushed myself off, hopped right back on that scooter and uh, went on to the event that I was supposed to be at. So conferences have a lot of things that, that to look for and things to do, but there are sort of some main highlights. So I am going to say an area and say your name and then as quickly as possible, tell me a little bit about it and maybe a little piece of advice that you have. That almost sounds like a lightning round, Kevin. Definitely completely different. This is this is an <laughs> educational round. Oh, someone else likes to play games <laughs> around here. Okay. Uh Expo hall floor, Brian. So there's a lot of rules you should know. Like don't talk to people that are talking to someone else. Just assume they're doing business. Um, th- there's a bunch of them. So just make sure you you look that up. There's etiquette. Napama has a, a great thing on their website that you can look at the general rules of, of conferencing, especially at the expo hall. Um, and I really high rec- highly recommend it because when you don't follow those rules, it really causes all kinds of problems. For Excellent. You. Professional development, Katie. Uh, most of the time, it's very worth attending professional development sessions. I, if you are going to a conference for the first time, I do highly recommend going to the new colleague session um, because you will learn a lot and you will meet a lot of new people. Um, I think be thoughtful about what PD sessions you're going to take on. Make sure that they're directly related to either what you are doing in your day-to-day job or are going to help you learn something new um, and always take notes and always try and grab business cards of the presenter so you can follow up afterwards. Excellent. Showcases, Danielle. Yeah, if you are thinking about going to a showcase, go to it. Um, Along with uh, what Katie said, take notes and review them whenever you get back. Because those things happen, they're so quick, they happen so fast, that you want to be able to have just your initial takeaway of what that experience was or what you saw other people reacting to. Because there might be something that's not your thing, but if the rest of the group is having a great time and they look like your audience, that tells you a lot. Um, in a lot of cities, the showcases are in, in, in not in the conference hotel and you have to travel. So just be wise about prioritizing and making sure you can get to and from a showcase to get to the next one. Excellent. Networking events. Josh. 
the biggest thing is one, go to the networking events. You need to meet other people. You need to expand your circle and you need to build further relationships. I am one of the biggest advocates for networking for those reasons, because the relationship building within this industry is so incredibly important. While you're at those networking events, just be open to meeting new people. Everybody there is in the same field in general that you are. You have common ground with everyone. Don't be afraid to to start up a conversation or join a conversation. I mean, don't be rude and just interrupt people, but be there and be open to, to meeting new people and expanding your circle. Excellent. So after a conference, it's, you know, it's sometimes really nice to follow up with folks. Brian, do you have any tips and tricks for that? You're going to get a lot of follow-up email after you get back from the conference already. They're going to approach you, but make sure that you are proactive. It always helps to respond quickly to people and be upfront. And, and like they always say, no is the, the second best answer. So if it's something you know you're not going to book, they're in crunch mode trying to get as many shows as they can fi have figured out too. So it saves everybody if you you know, don't lead people on. Just make sure that you're upfront, you're transparent. And if you do want to continue the conversation, convey that. Make sure you are proactive and say, hey, I, I really love talking to you about this or seeing the showcase and at the conference. And I, I'm very interested in, in pursuing this. And that way they'll prioritize you towards the top to make sure they can get that wrapped up. There's a lot more to that, but that those are the main things that I like to just make sure that you are proactive as much as they are. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, friends. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of conferences that we have uh, to choose from. And they they range from your, your statewide conferences, your regional conferences to, you know, national conferences. And obviously, there are some that are international as well. There are different benefits to these. Um, sometimes, you know, the nice thing about a statewide conference is that it is, you know, kind of hyper regional, like hyper focus, you know, probably more colleagues that you're interacting with on a, on a day to day basis. Um, your regional one is, you know, just as it says, you know, it's a little bit regional, a little bit wider. And then your national is going to be sort of everybody. Um, your statewide conferences are typically organized by your state consortiums or sometimes your um, state agencies, um, like here in the state of Illinois, the Illinois Arts Council Agency and Arts Alliance Illinois do a, an arts conference uh, every other year. Um, but there are also, you know, their regional conferences like uh, WA or Arts Northwest or uh, South Arts or the upcoming Midwest Arts Expo. And on a national front, we have things like APAP, IEBA, Polestar, TYA USA, which tends to be a bit more PD focused, but it does have some showcases there as well. Um, outside of that, as we mentioned, there are tons of options for professional development uh, only conferences or things in other areas that you want to focus on. And, you know, you can look at all sorts of national agencies that have these things like, you know, Americans for the Arts is a, is a good example. And, you know, Biggest thing we would say is talk to your colleagues, talk to your friends and see what they are going to, because they will be able to tell you their experiences at conferences or their experiences and, you know, why they choose to go to the ones that they that they go to. Um, so lots of information there. Obviously, you know, we've talked about a lot in this episode and we gave you a lot of links and obviously we expected you to write them down. Um, but if you did not write them down, we have all of that centrally located in a document that you can find the link into our show notes on our website and in our link tree. Uh, so friends, I appreciate you tuning into this episode and hopefully we will see you out during conference season. And if you want to join us and see us at Max, we are in booth 251. 
right, everyone. Thanks for listening to There's No Business Like. Our producers and hosts are Brian Zelmer, Josh Benson, Kevin Maynard, Katie Miller, and me, Danielle Vanho. Views expressed in this podcast are ours alone and are not reflective of the organizations we are a part of. Keep up with us at nobusinesslife.com. There you'll find links to all of our episodes and socials. If you like this podcast, give us a like, a follow, a review, or our favorite, a five-star rating. Oh, wait, what was that site? (laughs) I got it. Don't worry. It is nobusinesslike.com. Do I sound out bus I-ness every time I type it? Yep, sure do. Stay in touch, my friends. Hey, Katie. Hey, Brian. I hear you, Kevin, and Josh are going to the Midwest Arts Expo. We are going to be there. Did I say it wrong? (laughs) Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) Why did I not learn from all of you? Don't look at Danielle. (laughs) I really thought that it wasn't right. I really thought that was wrong. I was so certain that was wrong. I'm questioning myself. And then she says no. So I was like, oh, it must be wrong. I really thought you were. Podcasting rule number one, never look at Danielle. (laughs) Rule number two, safety is not guaranteed.